Welcome to Frontline Church South OKC Sermon Podcast. Each week we will have new sermon content from Sunday mornings, both video and audio options. Please visit south.frontlinechurch.com for more information. If you have any questions, need prayer, or have any other needs at all, please email hello at frontlinechurch.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. for today's teaching is Jeremiah 29, 4 through 14. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, When seventy years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. And I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me, and when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I have sent you into exile. This is the word of God to us. Thanks be to God. All right, you guys can have a seat. Good morning. Uh, If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Aaron Addison. I get to serve as one of the pastors here at Frontline South. And uh, so we've been doing this series on Advent and looking at some of the traditional Advent themes uh, that we kind of look during this season. And so, uh, so a couple weeks ago, we looked at hope, and uh, last week we talked about peace, and today we're going to look at joy. And uh, if you've been here for, for some time, you'll know that uh, a lot of times I've preached some really strange, weird sermons, like from weird passages. It's really funny how Andrew's just always out of town every time some strange text comes up in our preaching calendar. Uh, but uh, I've preached a lot of kind of uh, weird texts. Uh, but uh, today, this theme of joy might be one of the hardest sermons I've ever had to preach. And this for a couple reasons. Um, First, I don't think that I would call myself a very joyful person. Uh, that's not just generally my disposition. Uh, it's, it's a lot for me to get really excited about something. And in fact, for a lot of my life, I've struggled with depression, loneliness, sadness, a lot of just, uh, just that empty feeling. Um, I've had that a lot of my life. And also, uh, I think second is that, uh, honestly, of all the different Advent themes, Joy seems the most out of place. It seems the most foreign. And here's kind of what I mean. Advent is a season of waiting. It's this season of longing. 
it embodies this in-between space where you're not where you were, but you've not yet reached where you are headed. We're looking for the coming king, but we also see and remember the brokenness of the world around us. The pain is still present. Darkness is all around us, but Advent teaches us there's this little slimmer of hope, this little bit of light coming for us off in the distance. And that's what Advent is. And during Advent, hope fits perfectly, right? It makes sense. Hope makes sense. Peace, having peace in the midst of that dark waiting season, that makes complete sense. Both of those things are things that we latch onto in dark seasons of life. But joy, how can we experience joy when the thing we're waiting for hasn't happened yet? When, when we're still waiting, when we're still longing, when we see all the darkness around us? Joy, it seems like, should come later, right? When Jesus comes back, then we'll experience joy. But right now, in the waiting and longing, it just doesn't seem to fit. In fact, joy, it seems like we should preach a sermon on joy after Christmas, right? Not in this time of waiting and longing for Jesus to come. But this week, the more I've thought on this, the more I'm convinced that this is exactly what we need in a time of Advent. Over and over again in the Bible, we're going to see people and find people who are not just waiting for joy to come, but who are actually experiencing joy in their waiting. And so we find ourselves in this darkness, but we're called to this joy. How? How can we do this? Well, instead of turning in the Bible to some like happy place, you know, which you know, honestly a lot of the Bible doesn't have a lot of happy places because it really embraces just the brokenness in this world. But instead of turning to any of those, we're going to turn to one of the darkest chapters in Israel's history known as the exile. So if there's any place where we wouldn't expect to find joy, it's in this place. Um, and if you're not aware, so uh, after the exodus, so after God rescued his people out of Israel, God brought his people into a land and he established a kingdom. And for generations, the Jews experienced the Lord's presence, his blessing, his rule, but eventually things spiraled out of control. They rejected the commands that Moses had given them. They killed the prophets that were sent by God to warn them. They spurned the very God who had rescued them. And so in judgment, the Lord sent them into exile. Jerusalem was sacked, the temple was destroyed, and the people were carried off as captives to Babylon. Think, if you will, some sort of mixture between like a refugee crisis and slavery, where some countries come and destroyed another country, completely demolished it, and taken all of their people back as slaves. That's kind of what happened to the people of Israel. And in Babylon, they had this constant reminder of everything good that they had lost. They, the, the exile it represented the loss of God's presence and his blessing. And in the middle of that, in the middle of that brokenness, in the middle of that longing, 
the Lord sends the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah comes and he actually says, hey, this is actually judgment from God. God is the one who sent you into Babylon. But he promises that it wouldn't last forever. God would bring them back and restore his people. They had a bit of hope in the midst of darkness. In many ways, the exile was one of the most Advent-like seasons the Jews ever experienced. They were kind of stuck between the promise of God bringing them back and the fulfillment of it. And into this Advent, the Lord had a message for his people, a message of joy. Something to teach us about joy. So just three things in this passage we learn about joy. First, we can have joy in the waiting. We can have joy in the waiting. So in Jeremiah 29 that we're going to look at today, the prophet Jeremiah sends this message from God to his people in Babylon. And imagine what they must be feeling in this moment. They've been cast off. They find themselves in a foreign land. Their home, their temple had been destroyed. There's no home for them to go back to. And they remember what the Lord has done throughout history, that God has over and over again rescued them. And so in the midst of this, they're probably thinking, God rescued us out of Egypt. Surely he can rescue us out of Babylon. But God's message was not what they expected. So read with me. This is Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So in other words, God's saying, Stop waiting by the exit looking for an escape, right? He's saying, I've placed you here, and here you're going to stay. And God lists off these things that are things you only do if you're rooted in a place, right? You don't go build a house when you're on just like a week vacation somewhere, right? You don't plant a garden when you're on a work trip. Those things are symbols of permanency, In fact, a few chapters earlier, Jeremiah prophesied that the exile would last 70 years. 70 years. Many of the people here, many of the Jews, wouldn't live to see Jerusalem again. And God is telling them, in the midst of this, receive and embrace this exile. But notice the things that he lists. Building houses, planting gardens, getting married, having children, having grandchildren, multiplying and be fruitful, seeking shalom, seeking peace, all of these things echo back to the very beginning of the Bible, to the Garden of Eden. These things kind of embody the blessing and joy that we experience in the beginning of creation. And even today, we mark all these events as joyous occasions, right? When we have kids, we make... Facebook posts, when we buy a house, when we do all that, we celebrate and rejoice. These are actually good things. 
So here's the point. In the middle of exile, in the middle of darkness, when it would be easy to sit in our despair, the Lord calls these people to engage joy. To engage these joyful acts. But how could someone experience this? Again, it's like, God once you deliver us, once you bring us back, then we will experience joy. But in the middle of exile, when our homes are lost and destroyed, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it's true that we experience the greatest joy in fulfillment. When the things that we long for come to pass. But there is another kind of joy we can experience even in exile. It's the joy we feel in the waiting. It's the joy we feel in hope itself. Because where there's hope, there is joy. And joy is this natural result, this natural overflow of anticipation and faith. So just for example, it kind of reminds me of a couple Christmas purchases I made recently, and by purchases, I mean they're for me. Um, but uh, so I bought a few weeks ago this vinyl record that is a soundtrack of a movie that my family loves, and really looking forward to it. Only problem, it's shipping in from Japan, and the expected shipping date is like middle of February, right? So we're like, well, okay, we'll just wait, because it was like the cheapest place we could find it, and we're like, we'll just wait for the shipping. Um, but then I got news. It was coming early, like two months early, as in like it came in yesterday. Um, and, uh, but even before it came in, guess what? When I got the good news, you know what I experienced? A lot of joy already. I didn't even have it yet, but I was so excited and so ready, even more excited that it was coming kind of at an unexpected time. Um, also recently, I bought a chess set, and by recently, I mean last Christmas, I bought a chess set that I'm still waiting on, and also this last week, I got some news about it that I, I can expect it sometime around April. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I don't, I, yeah, I'm just not really that excited about getting it right now. Uh, to be honest, I completely forget about it all of the time. I have zero joy around it. In fact, I get a little upset when I think about it. Um, and and here, here's the point of uh, uh, talking about that. The, the greater certainty that we have of something good coming, the greater joy we experience in the here and now. When we're convinced that something good's gonna happen, we start feeling it. It's, it's an overflow of our faith in that, of our anticipation. And as followers of Jesus, we have a hope that we've talked about, an anticipation, a certainty of something good coming, of Jesus coming and setting all things right, of Jesus coming and seeing him face to face, of Jesus bringing his light to outshine the darkness. And the more certainty and belief and faith we have in that, the more joy we experience in the here and now. But here's the deal. This is actually really hard to do. It's really, really hard, and here's why. To experience joy like this, we have to be vulnerable. Because we have to open ourselves up 
to disappointment, to being let down, to things not turning out the way that we wished. And many of us through life, we have trained ourselves, myself included, we've trained ourselves over the years to damper down our hope in whatever it is. Because we, we don't want to get hurt. We don't want to feel the loss. We'd rather not hope in something than hope in something and not get it. So we've trained ourselves to kind of push all of that down, to not feel too much anticipation, to not be naive and get caught up in our desires. And that stumbles over into even our faith and hope in Jesus. And as a result, we rob ourselves of real joy. So today, maybe you find yourself in a place very similar to them, in a place of exile, where you feel long from home, things in life are messy and broken, all of your hopes and dreams have been shattered. And today, I'm not here to tell you to forget all that or to pretend that everything's okay. But what I am telling you is that even in that place, even in your advent, whatever that is, God is offering you joy. A deep, profound, grounded joy. A joy that shimmers kind of like uh, just light, a little small light in the darkness. And some of us need to hear that. Some of us need to give ourselves permission to be joyful in our sadness. Being joyful doesn't take away from the pain you are experiencing. And I know sometimes it can feel that way. It can feel wrong sometimes even to be happy, in particular when really bad traumatic things have happened in our life. But even in the midst of that, God is offering us joy, and joy can actually be a fuller expression of what we feel, alongside our fears and our wounds. Sometimes we feel joy with a frown on our face. And that kind of joy actually can sustain us in the waiting and the longing and the hope. So, first thing, we can have joy in the waiting. Second thing I want you to see, false joy robs us of true joy. False joy robs us of true joy. So Jeremiah, he goes on. He says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. So what's going on here? This kind of deserves a little bit of context, right? Well, Needless to say, the people didn't like what Jeremiah was telling them. They didn't like the idea that God was going to leave them in exile for 70 years. And so other prophets came around and they took advantage of the situation. They prophesied that this exile is going to be really short, like two years max, right? So they're coming around and they're saying, hey, everything's okay. It's fine. Don't settle in. God wouldn't leave you here. He wouldn't do that to you. The Lord's going to rescue you. Jeremiah, earlier, he kind of basically talks about what these people are saying, and he says this. 
they say continually to those who despise the word of God, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. This is a little glimpse in how Jeremiah feels about the power of positive thinking right here. Uh, the Jewish people, they had a hard time receiving God's message. They couldn't make sense of where they were. They couldn't reconcile joy with loss. And so they chose to believe the lie. The lie that everything was fine, everything was okay, that they had peace. They chose to believe and to look towards a false hope and a false joy instead of the hope offered them. In essence, they tried to like manufacture their own happiness. And we do this all the time. All the time. Our hearts ache for joy, and it's hard for us to believe that we can experience joy and feel our pain and sorrow. Sometimes we think we might just get lost in the darkness, and it's easier for us to pretend that things are better than they really are. That we don't really feel that pain and sorrow deep in our hearts. That if we don't think about it, maybe we won't have to deal with it. That we can just fake it until we make it and pretend to be happy and be positive and everything's going to be okay. But it's not okay. Uh, pastoring for quite some time now, I've sat in many counseling sessions where someone has gone through a really traumatic event in their life, a lot of darkness and a lot of pain, and to where even months later I'm sitting across from them and they're saying, I know that I should like be better or be happier, but I just still feel sad. And I always tell them, I'm like, actually, it's like I would be worried if you weren't sad in this moment. <laughs> like it's actually better to acknowledge and feel that than if you came in a month after something devastating happened and said, yeah, everything's fine. I trust the Lord. It's all good. Like that's like red flags going off. Because these things that happen in this world actually hurt. And to experience real joy, we have to embrace our longings and our sadness. We'll never experience real true joy without that. Joy is not about just being happy. It's not about getting what we want. True joy is deeper than that. And true joy lives inside and around our pain and suffering. Uh, Chip Dodd in his book, uh, The Voice of the Heart, he puts it like this. No one reaches the highest peaks of life unless she is willing to fall to the greatest depths. No one can experience deep, heartfelt joy unless he is able and willing to grieve to the core, even having hopes disappointed by not being fulfilled. Gladness, therefore, is only for the courageous. We need the courage to recognize the darkness around us and to receive the joy even offered to us there in that place. And some of us, we have to put away this false, fake, manufactured joy. 
And maybe that's how you've made it through life, is by refusing to really let yourself feel sadness and longing. Maybe you feel really drawn to the voices of today that are saying, everything's going to be okay. Don't worry. Life is good. But the Lord is inviting you to aim for a deeper joy, which acknowledges our pain and disappointment, but also embraces the hope and peace found in God. So that leads to the last thing. So we can have joy in the waiting. False joy robs us of true joy. And lastly, our joy is found in the Lord. Our joy is found in the Lord. Jeremiah continues on in verse 10. He says, For thus says the Lord, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Now, this this section of scripture includes one of the most popular verses in the whole Bible, Jeremiah 29, 11. And, And often, here's the deal. Often with this verse, we see in it only what we want to see in it. So for many people, when it talks about God having plans for us, plans for welfare, to give us a future and a hope, some see that and think, God just wants me to be happy. Whatever makes me happy, that's what I should do because that's what God wants. God wouldn't let bad things happen to me. But remember, remember who Jeremiah is talking to. These people are in exile. Some of them will never make it back to Jerusalem. Their future and hope is to finish out their life in Babylon, in exile. On the other side, some have kind of been reactionary to this and taken it to mean something like this. God doesn't really care about the here and now. He's just talking about your eternal destiny. Don't expect anything good to happen in your life. But if you trust in Jesus, you'll get joy of salvation later. And can we just take a minute and just honestly look at this verse and this section and recognize God's tender heart for a minute? God is this father looking at his children in the eyes and telling them that though exile comes, Though he says it himself, they are not forgotten. They're not rejected. God's heart is for them and for their good. And in our exile, in our longing, in our seeking, we can find him and find joy. And that's part of what the good news of Jesus is all about. That's part of what we celebrate on Christmas. Jesus came, Jesus was born to bring the presence of God to us. 
When we were far, when we were cut off, when we were distant, Jesus brought God's presence to us. And we have a future and we have a hope that Jesus will come again. Jesus will bring heaven to earth and set all things right and our joy will be complete. And until then, what sustains us is all these little bits in this thing of God saying, I will be found by you. I will hear you. I will visit you. You will find me. Here's the deal. We all long to be happy and to be satisfied. As St. Augustine once said a long, long time ago, it's the decided opinion of all who use their brains that all men desire to be happy. It's true. We all want to be happy. And so we run, run, and run looking for joy. We seek joy in our work. We seek joy in our family. We seek joy in our relationships. We seek joy in pleasures. We seek joy in entertainment. And guess what? All of those things do bring us a little bit of joy. They do. But they don't satisfy They don't fully satisfy. Ultimately, each one of these is going to let us down. All of these joys are going to come to an end. And rarely do they survive the dark places of Advent. But what's offered us is a deeper joy. A joy that other people can't bring us. A joy that things can't bring us. That experiences can't bring us. And that's the joy found in the person and presence of Jesus. The Lord is our joy. He alone can satisfy us. He is the light that shines in the darkness. Even if everything around us crumbles, he stays constant. We can find hope, joy, satisfaction, delight in him. He's the source of our joy, the sustainer of our joy, and the end of our joy. And that idea of actually being happy in God and delighting in God can be weird to us. It can be strange to us because we got this idea of like we have to be really kind of somber sometimes around God. And C.S. Lewis, he puts it just brilliantly. He says, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward... In the staggering nature of the rewards promised us in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Today, God is offering us infinite joy in him and in his presence. And our hearts are wanting to pull and run to all these other things that are like mud pies compared to the glorious beach we could go to. So today, let's run to God. Let's run to Jesus Let's put away those other things 
and find our joy and satisfaction in him. So in, in just under two weeks, just to kind of bring us to a close, in, in under two weeks, we're going to be celebrating Christmas. We're going to be celebrating the birth of Jesus. And more than anyone else, Jesus embodies joy in exile, joy in sorrow. Now, some of us kind of, maybe we think of Jesus as like this sage who's really like detached from his emotions, right? That just kind of floats through everywhere on earth. Um, maybe we think of Jesus as kind of sad and all, all the time, right? He had the nickname Man of Sorrows. Okay, all right, he's probably sad. But over and over again, the Bible tells us that despite the suffering that Jesus experienced, he was filled with joy. So in Acts 2, it says that Jesus, quote, was full of gladness with God's presence. Full of gladness with God's presence. In Hebrews 1, it tells us that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness beyond his companions. He had gladness on him more than anyone else. In Hebrews 12, it says that Jesus endures the cross. He takes our sin. He takes the wrath of God on our behalf for the joy that was set before him. Jesus is a king of joy. He found something deeper and something richer that often we miss, and that's he found joy even in exile. Even, even coming down from heaven to earth, experiencing joy in God's presence, in the presence of his Father. Complete satisfaction and delight. The man of sorrows was filled with joy. And the kingdom of Christ is a kingdom of joy. And so this Advent, as we kind of wait and long for Jesus to come, we remember his kingdom. We remember that he's going to come and set all things right. Every dark place is going to be filled with light. And until then, until our joy is complete then, we still find joy now, even in the suffering, because the Lord is with us. The very presence and blessing and grace and love of God is ours. And we know his plans for us. We know his thoughts towards us. Which he is good. He is good. He loves us. And so followers of Jesus, we are to be a people of joy. Not some fake joy not happy-go-lucky, everything's fine. But having the knowledge of there's something deeper that I can feel here. There's something offered me here. There's something that goes beyond everything else I see under the sun. And that's I have a father that loves me. I have a father that sees me. I have a father that's not forgotten. It's not forgotten me in all the dark places of my life. And I have a God who is going to come in victory over it all.